Mary Flipmas, Joey McGuire makes a splash with a few surprise signings on early signing day. And it sounds like he might not be done just yet. It's almost time for the Gonzaga game in Phoenix. And despite the disparity in the rankings, Texas Tech may have a better chance than you think. All this and more coming up on today's Locked On Texas Tech. You are Locked On Texas Tech, your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Texas Tech, a member of the Locked On Network. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. I am Ryan Mainville. I cover Texas Tech for the Dallas Morning News, which has given me a very busy day yesterday. And I'm joined by my co-host, good friend and longtime Texas Tech analyst, Emery Lida. Today, we are going to start our coverage on the big Gonzaga matchup on the hardwood, which will take place Saturday in Phoenix. But first, we want to recap some of Joey McGuire's big moves on early signing day. Today's episode is brought to you by NetSuite. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. Head to netsuite.com slash locked on NCAA for special end of year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. Early signing day, first one under Joey McGuire. You signed a lot of guys that you wanted to sign, a lot of your talented players, a lot of your previously committed guys. You have shot up in the rankings up to 38, according to 24-7 sports in the nation. That's impressive. But really, the biggest takeaway for signing day for me was the three kind of surprise commitments. That's obviously the biggest one being Landon Hullaby the safety D-back from who was previously committed to Oregon, Seth Martin, a big offensive lineman, and Trevin McAlpine, a aggressive defensive lineman. So obviously Texas Tech makes a bit of a climb in the rankings. They are now sixth in the Big 12, which is pretty huge. You're ahead of teams like Baylor and TCU. So competing in the state of Texas well, but these three guys, man, these are three guys that we did not know were previously committed to Texas Tech before early signing day. And I think that these are three guys that are, are really going to be difference makers, even potentially as freshmen for Texas Tech. Yeah, especially with Bolby, we'd seen kind of the crystal ball prediction starting to go in Tech's favor, but obviously it was still up in the air as to whether or not he'd stick with Oregon or eventually flip to Tech. And I mean, we mentioned on yes on yesterday's pod just how important it was to be able to get these corners and rangy defensive backs into the system because that's something that Tech has struggled with over the years. And Holoby is more of a safety, it looks like, but certainly someone that can really play aggressively in the defensive backfield. And I'm really excited to see what he can do at Tech. And then, I mean, in the trenches, like, again, like we mentioned yesterday, Seth Martin, Trevon McAlpine, both of those guys I think are very valuable. I think McAlpine especially is someone that really can play aggressively on the defensive line. I'm excited to see what Tech decides to do with him. Um, just because I feel like he can do a variety of different things and potentially play. Maybe they convert him more towards the interior, but certainly he's someone that gives you that size and outright athleticism to be able to play up front. And obviously with the offensive line, just adding Martin, a little bit of a surprise there, but certainly someone that can really provide good strength and continues to add depth to a line that's getting shored up. And I think as a whole, I mean, you have to be happy with how those classes shaped up. And certainly 
doesn't seem like McGuire's done yet, but as of now, I mean, you've got, you've brought in 10 defensive guys since he became head coach. A lot of those, both in the trenches and in the defensive backfield. And I mean, this is exactly what Tech needed. You need guys to be able to compete in the new Big 12 and being able to get off to a nice start out recruiting a lot of your competition in the conference is something to really be optimistic about. Yeah, I was tuned into Joey McGuire's press conference um, really right before we started recording this Wednesday afternoon. And he mentioned, you know, there were a couple of guys that he missed out on today that he was a little disappointed about. I think he might have been alluding to Major Everhart, who did sign his letter of intent with TCU. He mentioned him yesterday as a guy that might have had potential to flip. There was also the receiver from Pflugerville who committed to Utah late last night. I think they were continuing to talk with him over the night and in the morning. But for Joey McGuire to land three guys um, especially a very talented D-back in Holoby. That, that's a huge, huge first early signing day for Joey McGuire. And his press conference, he was just, you know, usual Joey McGuire, a lot of energy, a lot of enthusiasm, very excited about the day that his program has had. And I think there's good reason for that. And I think when you look at this Texas Tech class, you may not be blown away by the rankings or by the stars, even though, I mean, honestly, this is one of the better recruiting classes that Tech is going to sign over the last few years. But what I do think that there's reason to believe in is what Joey McGuire has done on tape and just looking at guys in their film. He mentioned that his staff has just been burning out film this week. He wants to have good measurables on guys and to make sure that he's getting his guys into the program. So I think that's a big win for Texas Tech. And he also mentioned that he's going to continue to try and get some more signees potentially before February. But he also did mention that maybe he'll land a little bit more on Wednesday, obviously recording this Wednesday afternoon. So if you're listening Thursday morning, you might already know who it is because Joey McGuire gave us a big grin whenever he said that he might be signing a few more guys on Wednesday. And although a majority of his work has been with high school recruits, I am really looking at Cade Briggs, a transfer from New Mexico State, and Mason Brooks, a transfer from Western Kentucky. Both of those guys are O-line guys. I think that Texas Tech has done a great job at signing some high school guys on the offensive and defensive line. But if they can land either of these two guys, I have a hard time seeing that Texas Tech would pass them up. Yeah, certainly. I mean, shoring up the offensive line has been a priority that we've seen through recruiting high school guys. And I think as well as that in the grad transfer market and the transfer market in general, there's a lot of guys out there. You mentioned Brooks. I think he's one of one of, if not the most sought out grad or transfer offensive linemen out there right now. Obviously, the experience under Zach Kidley helped out. Was very highly touted. I believe he was on one of the conference teams, both with PFF and with their actual recognition. And I mean, I'm just really excited to see what McGuire can do in terms of just shoring up that O line. I mean, we've talked about Brooks on Twitter. We've seen some of some of his tape over the last week or so, and he just mentioned that I believe on on today as we're recording this on Wednesday, he announced his offer from Tech. So certainly someone to be on the lookout for and in general I mean you have all these guys in the grad transfer market and the transfer market and obviously McGuire's really put an emphasis on hitting the high school market hard and we've seen great results from that but I think being able to get a lot of transfers is something that McGuire's going to work on and something that I'm really interested to see how it pans out because especially on the O-line you can see a lot of impact from that. Definitely two 
key position groups for this staff and also for the future of this program. Definitely keep an eye out for Brooks, who, like you mentioned, has that relationship with Kitley and obviously Hamby as well. And then Briggs, I think that those are two guys that have a very good chance of ending up as Red Raiders. But coming up next, we are going to start taking our overarching look at Gonzaga. This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours, but on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Do you have poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and so much more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. NetSuite can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93 of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite, and over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash locked on NCAA. So head to netsuite.com slash locked on NCAA for a special end of year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. That's netsuite.com slash locked on NCAA. Thanks again for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. Be sure to check out the Ultimate College Football Playoff Preview for 2021. There's local experts, betting advice, and draft analysis. It's the most comprehensive college football playoff preview, and it begins this Friday. So Joey McGuire making plenty of moves for the football program, but the basketball program is set for their biggest matchup of the season up to this point and probably what will end up being one of their biggest matchups of the year. And that is obviously the neutral site contest against the Gonzaga Bulldogs on Saturday in Phoenix, Arizona. I mean, Gonzaga doesn't need much of an introduction. They entered the season regarded as the best team in the nation, maybe one of the best basketball teams of the last few years. They opened up their season with six straight wins, including really convincing wins over Texas and UCLA. But since that opening stretch, they are just two and two with losses coming to Alabama and Duke and a win over a Tarleton State team, which just went D1 a few years ago. That was way too close, I'm sure, for their comfort. So obviously a team that was put up on a pedestal at the beginning of the year and throughout these first eight games that they've played, they've had moments where they've looked like the best team in the nation and they've also looked very, very human at times. Yeah, I mean, you have to look at the first six games and obviously with Texas, there's certainly question marks around their program. And to be completely honest, I sometimes don't really know what Chris Beard's been doing with the rotation. Um, and specifically in that Gonzaga game, playing Trey Mitchell only about 20 minutes seemed like an egregious mistake given that Drew, Drew Timmy ended up with 37 on that night. And so against UCLA, Again, it was a lot, of, a lot of the stuff that UCLA struggled with at times last year, just being consistent without reliable ability to drive and hit outside shots. Those two things really plagued UCLA in their game against Gonzaga. But still, I mean, you knock off two top 10 teams at the time. It's very impressive. And they really looked un completely unbeatable early on in the season. But the last four games for them have really been a bit of a struggle. And I think there's certainly aspects of it that you look where Gonzaga has maybe regressed a little bit on paper. I mean, 
certainly the two bigs in Holgram and Timmy are going to take a lot of the spotlight. Andrew Nimpard's back in terms of just being a really reliable primary ball handler, but you don't quite have the depth on the outside that you had. Certainly, Reserve Bolton is a different player than what Jalen Suggs was, and you don't have Joel Iai who can really kind of play a Kyler Edwards type role, just being a three and D guy that can also just play on the inside somewhat. And you have all of these pieces, and I mean, there have been weaknesses on this team, but I'm not sure were apparent early on last year. I mean, offensively, especially, they're still shooting a ridiculous 64% inside the three-point line, which is just nuts to think about. I mean, that's that's averaging almost 1.3 points per possession, which is the equivalent of shooting over 40% from three. So for Gonzaga, the whole shoot threes to be more efficient goes completely out the window. And I mean, it's going to be difficult to beat them, but certainly these last few games have opened the door for some turnover issues and just things in general on offense that have made them look more beatable than in the past. Yeah, I mean, I thought that there was a chance that they would go undefeated at the beginning of the year. Just looking at their roster, they were just loaded in that first five, six, seven guys. Obviously, you mentioned there's a bit of a drop off on the bench, but despite the bumpy past four games, Gonzaga still has really impressive numbers across the board, especially when you consider some of the caliber of the teams that they've been playing. They are number two in Kim Palm. They have the second ranked adjusted offense for reference. Texas Tech is 35th and they have the 20th adjusted defense. Texas Tech is seventh. You mentioned that 64.7% on two-point attempts to bump them up to 53% from the field. Both of those are tops in the nation. They are also one of the best rebounding teams in college basketball, grabbing 42.8 boards per game while allowing opponents to grab just under 29. So they have some dominant numbers. I mean, even throughout the ugliness of this of these last four games where they've dropped some and they've played games really close, they're still putting up really impressive numbers. And I think they're excelling in areas that Texas Tech wants to excel in, specifically with the rebounding and the playing good defense. Obviously, Texas Tech doing a little bit of a better job than them right now. But something that has really caught my eye with Gonzaga this year is three things, really. They have not been shooting the ball well, shooting at just 32.9% from deep. Um, that's like 200 plus in the nation that with what they have inside, they should be drawing defenses in enough to be able to be getting better looks from deep. And if they're not making those, then they're not as dangerous of a team as they can be. They also are not a great free throw shooting team, shooting just 68%. I think that has a lot to do with kind of your bigs, um, especially Timmy and Holmgren, who are both shooting like in the 60s at the line this season. Not great. And they're also turning the ball over a little bit. Um, I just think you know, what they can do offensively is really scary. But looking at those numbers, I think that they they look human. And I'm interested to see kind of what the line opens up at, uh, probably on Friday or Thursday to see what Vegas thinks about Texas Tech. But man, those numbers, if you're a Texas Tech fan, you should not be maybe as scared of this game as you might have been come September or October. Yeah, I mean, this is certainly a beatable team. And I think you have to come into this game thinking that because, I mean, in all honesty, I'm not even sure Gonzaga at this point is a top three team in the nation as of now. I think they have weaknesses that a team like Duke or even Purdue when they're playing at full full strength 
didn't were a lot more well-rounded than what Gonzaga's been able to put on tape so far. And that's simply just because of the shooting weakness that you mentioned. And then also on ball defensively, when you look at the games that they've had, they're not able to put the ball pressure on opposing guards that other teams are able to do within the top 25. Like if you compare Texas Tech's defense, which I'll get into in a little bit in our next segment, and you look at Gonzaga's defense, you can really tell the difference between how the guards attack defensively. And that's not to say that they're bad defensively. I think Razier Bolton and Andrew Nimford specifically are both good guard defenders, but they're not really the like active type to really go out and get steals and deflections. And so teams that have been able to exploit the perimeter, have good ball movement, get effective pick and roll sets, they've been able to have success against them on the offensive end. And I feel like that's one of the things that's a key difference between last year and this year is last year having Nembhard was okay because he, well, he wasn't the most active defender. You also had Jalen Suggs, you had IIE, and you had other guys on the perimeter that could really be more aggressive defenders. And so you were able to force more transition looks. And I mean, no one's really able to stop Gonzaga full stop in the half court, but even when they're in transition, they were elite last year. And you just haven't been able to see as many transition opportunities. So this is a game that Tech can win. And I think especially looking at Gonzaga defensively, there's a lot that you can maybe attack that wasn't necessarily as obvious early on in the year. And I think that transition offense is a big thing for Texas Tech to kind of exploit um, just because Texas Tech's transition defense has been kind of sore this season. I think even in that Arkansas State game, we saw them get a couple of easy buckets whenever Texas Tech would score early into the shot clock. But obviously, you look at Gonzaga's resume, some very impressive wins, some very impressive numbers, but also a real look at a team that might be more human than we all thought. And Emory kind of teased it in our next segment, but in just a moment, we're going to be taking a look at some specific matchups that Texas Tech can use to slow down Gonzaga even more. You listen to podcasts for the power of the inside track. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Get three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line and a free 5G phone when you switch so you can get the latest sports news right to your phone all on one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save Boost Mobile. Free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers and coverage not available everywhere or for all phones or networks. See BoostMobile.com for details. Bet Online has you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues to march to the playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Emery, I'm lucky to be your friend for a number of reasons, but one of the reasons I especially enjoy it is because you make me a lot smarter with your basketball analysis. And we both were watching one of the biggest games of the college basketball season. 
I believe it was in late November, and that was the Duke-Gonzaga matchup. And you were texting me during that game, and you made me think of something that I had not previously thought of. Why don't you go ahead and share that with the listener? Well, to preface this, coming into this game against Duke, Gonzaga had faced both UCLA and Texas, as we had mentioned. And both times, both times Gonzaga really looked pretty much unstoppable on the offensive end in the half court. And Duke threw something different at them. And what they did was they had Wendell Moore guard Andrew Nimhard or Azir Bolton almost the entire game. And more or less, whenever they had one-on-one matchups in the half court, they absolutely just pressed up from the half court, really just not letting Gonzaga get anything easy in their sets and more or less played a pressure style dif- defense. It wasn't like press Virginia where they were sending full court press or anything like that. But even on off ball movement, Gonzaga did not get anything easy. Duke was in every passing lane. They were pressuring up on the ball handlers and more or less forcing everything to be difficult on the entry level for Gonzaga. And it's really an interesting approach because conventional wisdom would say that you wouldn't want to do that against the Gonzaga team. That's one of the best cutting teams in America. All of their guards are competent off the ball. But what happened was they really struggled to get it inside to Holgram and Timmy a lot of the time. And it really disrupted their ball handlers rhythm. And even a guy like Andrew Nimhart, who's usually extremely composed, really struggled with the length that Wendell Moore was able to put on him. And I really don't think that much of Wendell Moore in particular as an on-ball defender. I think if he was on Tex roster, he would probably be the fifth or sixth best on-ball defender, which isn't a slide to him, but it's just how ridiculously stacked Tech is. And it really just shows like that pressure worked out really well. They were able to force a number of Gonzaga turnovers in the first half. At the time, they had a turnover percentage over 20%, which was easily the highest they'd had all year. And it just threw them out of rhythm. And I think Gonzaga got better at exploiting in the second half and Duke got guys in foul trouble. But if Texas Tech's able to make that sort of pressure, it will make things a lot dif- more difficult for Gonzaga because the way that you're going to beat Gonzaga isn't by shutting down Timmy and Holgram because that's just not feasible to do that to both guys. But if you can force their guards to make mistakes, which was something that happened in the Duke game, and then we've seen it in the next three games as well. We saw it against Tarleton State. They threw a lot of pressure at Duke, forced all, or at Gonzaga, excuse me, forced a lot of turnovers and held Gonzaga to one of the worst offensive outputs I think Mark Few has had in the last few years. And then again against Merrimack just a couple of nights ago. Like these games are ones that Gonzaga has struggled with consistently against pressure. And for me, I think that's going to be the key. It's not so much focusing on the inside guys and keeping them contained and doubling them. I mean, you might see some doubles like we saw in the Providence game, but just bringing the outside pressure is going to force their guards to make tighter passes and can allow someone like Terrence Shannon or Davion Warren even to really jump into passing lanes and have himself a game, just being able to get out in transition where your offense is more effective and also kind of get things into a track meet, which Gonzaga doesn't necessarily like as much. So if you're a Texas Tech fan, there are two words in there that should be ringing the bells in your head, and that is length and that is pressure, because those are the two things that this Texas Tech defense has really excelled in this season. Communication hasn't been great at all times. They've gotten themselves into foul trouble at times, but they will always have pressure and they will always have length. And so I think when you look at this roster and you're looking at this Gonzaga matchup, 
this is where you really have a chance to flip this game upside down. Guys like Davion Warren, Adonis Arms, I think could have a really, really key role in this game. Terrence Shannon Jr. and Kevin McCuller, of course. I think that those are kind of the four core guys that can really change this game. Getting those guys out on the perimeter to slow down these Gonzaga guards is what I think gives you the best chance at winning this game. Because you mentioned it. There's just not really a efficacious strategy for anybody in the nation, let alone Texas Tech, to slow down Timmy and Holmgren when you just look at them in a vacuum. But if you look at this offense as a whole and you can think about, okay, how can I throw some kinks into this machine and make it more difficult for those guys to get the ball inside, that's where Texas Tech not only has a chance, but can really, really shine and where I think they really match up well. We saw it in the Providence game. Like you mentioned, they completely took Nate Watson out of that game. Part of that was the doubles that they brought on him, but part of it was slowing down the Friars and their ball handlers. Obviously, they were without one of their best point guards, but I think that that was a, a good strategy for Texas Tech. In that Tennessee game, obviously, you know, you have Fulkerson inside, but Chandler is the guy that really makes that offense go, and Texas Tech just completely put the brakes on him in that game. Um, but, I mean, pretty much everybody had the brakes that game, but I do think that Texas Tech was able to put good pressure on him. and so. That was a really good key point for you to bring up, Emery, because I, I was just stunned whenever you mentioned that. And I, I was just laying there watching this game, thinking about how Texas Tech could get themselves in a position to knock off one of the best basketball teams in the nation. And if you're not going to do it on the perimeter, you've got to account for, again, that massive duo of Drew Timmy and Ch Chet Holmgren inside. And I... I just cannot believe that I'm about to say this. I never would have guessed that I would be saying this in the offseason. But am I insane for thinking that Daniel Bacho might play one of the most important roles for Texas Tech in this game? To be able to be a guy that can slow those two guys down, keep up with them in pick and rolls, keep up with Gonzaga ball handlers whenever those guys set screens, be mobile, stay out of foul trouble, and affect shots at the rim, I think Daniel Bacho might be one of the three most important players for Texas Tech in this matchup. I'll take it a step further. I'll say on the defensive end, Bacho is the single most important piece to making the strategy work. Because if he wow. can play as many minutes as he played in the Tennessee game and have his presence as a rim protector and also be able to switch onto the guards, it really opens up your ability to pressure defensively because now you're not having to worry so much about what happens if you mess up because you can still have someone to enforce the lane to keep the guards kind of grounded when they get into the lane, when they get beat, because that's going to happen. It happened in the Tennessee game, even though Tech did a remarkable job pressuring their ball indoors, Kennedy Chandler still had opportunities in the lane. The Bacho was able to defend extremely well. And then on switches as well. I'm not sure if Gonzaga is going to be a team that wants to switch quite as much or exploit the switches as much as Tennessee did just because their makeup of the roster is a lot more post-centric than what Tennessee had. Um, but certainly having that versatility from Bacho and being able to be an effective rim protector. I mean, I'm going to bring up the Duke game again, but what you saw what Mark Williams was able to do, where he had five blocks in that game, and even more than that, was just able to switch and still keep his feet moving. Those kind of elements that, that Bacho is going to be challenged with, it's going to be absolutely critical. I mean, if he plays as well as he did in the Tennessee game, 
and can play as long as he did. And even if you have to kind of limit Bryson Williams or Kevin O'Banner a little bit, I think it's worthwhile because I think both of those guys don't quite offer the versatility that's going to allow you to have this aggressive pressure-based strategy. I mean, I'm really excited to see how it plays out because I think there's a chance that Bacho, like in the Tennessee game, could be the single important factor that makes their, makes or breaks Tech's defensive ability in that game and really could carry them almost a win. I think offensively, it's going to be a little bit more on the guards and the wings to be able to create for themselves. But defensively, I don't think there's anyone more important than what Bacho can do. If you could put a number on it, what do you think the chances are that Bacho will start in this game? Start 5%, but play at least 25 minutes, I'm going to say 70%. Because I think just on the basis of tradition and not wanting to have a lot of drama, I think Mark Adams is going to keep the same starting five if possible. But like in the Tennessee game, you could easily see a guy like O'Banner only get 15 minutes while Bacho gets 25 to 30. Interesting. Yeah, I think that Mark Adams doesn't really want to tinker with what he has. Um, But I do think that this will be an interesting game, especially for Bryson Williams, because if he's not getting buckets down low, I think that's when Bacho just absorbs his minutes and plays maybe one of the highest usage games of his season. Man, I could talk about Gonzaga in this game for 30 more minutes, and we will, but we're going to do that tomorrow. We are going to have Andy Patton from Locked On Gonzaga on Guys, he is going to bring such a good perspective on the Zags. Check out that episode whenever it drops. Make sure that you are subscribed to our Locked On Texas Tech podcast feed to make sure that you see that episode when it drops. Follow us on socials where we will be pushing that episode. You can follow me at LBK. You can follow Emery at eraser41. And follow the Locked On Texas Tech Twitter account at LockedOnTTU. We'd love to hear from you about what you're enjoying about the show thus far and what else you'd like to see. Again, do not miss tomorrow's episode for more analysis on the Gonzaga game, including our final score predictions and our potential players of the game. But thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. Now go make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms, just like Locked On Texas Tech. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you tomorrow.